A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. It's another edition of the Retirement Toolbox with Scott Searles, financial advisor, president of Skybox Financial Group, serving you in the greater Cleveland area, but glad you're joining us from wherever you are. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott today. We've got a great topic on the way today. We're going to expose some retirement planning complaints on today's show. So we're going to kind of reveal those, talk a little bit about them, see if there's some validity to these complaints, or if we need to kind of suck it up and get over some of these concerns. What's what's really underneath of a lot of the common complaints that are heard in the planning world? So I think that'll be an interesting topic to dive into with Scott. Plus, we've got a mailbag question from Steve a little bit later on, who's got some stock that he got a lot uh, many years ago, and it's worth a lot more than when he bought it. So he's worried a little bit about tax implications of that. Some other good stuff on the way today as well. Scott, good to talk to you this week. How are you? I am doing well. How about you, Walter? Yeah, doing great. Looking forward to talking to you and kind of turning that switch into fall now, which is really nice, you know, getting rid of the 90s and starting to flirt with some 70s and getting into that sort of like sweatshirt and shorts weather, which is my favorite. Yeah, fall is my uh, probably my favorite uh, f- season. Yeah. You One almost can't reasons, go wrong. Like no matter what you put on, like you can sur- you can go outside and survive. Like, uh, you know, I probably could have done a long sleeve shirt today, but uh short sleeves, I'm still okay. I'm not too cold. Or uh, it's a little warmer than I thought and I've got long sleeves on. But you know what? It's fall, it still feels good, I'm okay. But I'm just like you. I, I like the, the sweatshirt and shorts look. You know, yeah. I because I never, I ne- my legs never get cold, but you know, it, I think it's it, a guy thing, right? Like maybe, maybe hair, hairy, hairy legs keep us warmer down there, so we're okay mm-hmm. in shorts, but then still want a little upper body warmth, maybe, 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 maybe. <laughs> It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of these. Uh, see, we're not complaining about it being too hot or too cold. We're, we're ready no. to adjust. But, uh, you know, it won't be too long before we're complaining about it being too cold. So That's true. We'll use that as our segue into today's topic where we tackle common complaints. And some of these are maybe better classified as fears about various financial situations during retirement. And we'll look at these concerns and see which are well-founded, which are based on misconceptions, and then try to give you some insight on how you can best navigate your financial future, given some of these concerns. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's start with this one, Scott. Have you ever had somebody sit in your office? Maybe they've been working with another advisor, and they're coming in to meet with you for a second opinion, perhaps, and uh, they're just a little concerned, perhaps, that their advisor takes too much risk. They feel a little too exposed to risk. Yeah, you know, I'd see that, you know, people do come to me with 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 that complaint, but also, a lot of times, I, when I look at everything, they don't even realize they're taking too much risk, which is very common too. Uh, and then once they know it, they're like, wow, why does my advisor have me taking so much risk? And, and the bottom line is that your advisor simply not taking into consideration uh, your specific situation. And it could be that unless, of course, you've got a long time to go to retirement and then that 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 makes sense. But if you're in retirement, one of the biggest problems you can have 
especially if you're taking withdrawals out of your portfolio, is pulling money out every month out of a risky, volatile portfolio. Because when the markets are down, you're gonna keep pulling that money out and pulling that money out, and it's going to start to drain that account rather quickly. So if your advisor is looking at your situation, what your goals are, and your age, and your timeline, and all these different things, it should be a risk that's at the level of what your, not only your risk tolerance is, but also what your goals and your timeline is. And we all know that equities are the best long-term place to grow your money, but we also know it's a rough ride in between. I mean, we've seen 2008, we've seen these, these periods of time where the markets have become extremely volatile or dropped to an extreme level and took years to come back. So that risk level needs to be adjusted to what your goals are, what you're trying to accomplish. And I have a lot of clients that are older and we do have some accounts where we're taking more risk from, but those are not accounts that we're taking income from and they're not accounts that they expect that they're ever going to use. So I think that obviously everybody's situation is different and everybody's you know goals and what they're trying to accomplish is different but i do see it a lot where again this advisor wants to do well is taking a lot of risk and sometimes it just backfires yeah uh in the theme of things being too high or too much that's another common complaint but we shift the focus from risk over to fees a lot of people don't really seem to understand the fees that they're paying, and so the main complaint, well, I guess it wouldn't be a complaint to say, oh, my fees are too low. I want to pay more fees. So the right. common complaint is my fees are too high. Right. Yeah, and you know what? This is, I, I think the biggest thing with, with, with fees are, I always, when I always talk to people, I say that you should always feel you're getting a multiple in value of what you're paying in your fees. You're gonna, every quarter, you're gonna look at your statement, you're gonna see that fee, and you need to ask yourself, am I getting a multiple of value for the fee I'm paying? And yeah, that that's important. There are a lot of other fees in there, not only the, the advisory fee that may be on the account, some accounts may have management fees, mutual fund fees, ETF fees, and they all start adding up. So you really need to understand and know what your fees are that you're paying. And you know the very opposite could be true too, is you could have an extremely low fee and be not getting any service at all. And that also causes problems because you know, there's no one helping you. You're not paying for anybody to help you to give you that advice. And because of that, you could be performing poorly, even worse than paying a fee for somebody. So the fees need to be in line with the amount of value that you're receiving. And a lot of times people have advisors that don't call them, don't talk to them, aren't meeting with them and charging them high fees. That's something that you need to be concerned with. Yeah, it's a great point. All right, so two common complaints so far. Advisor takes too much risk, fees are too high. Let's go over another one here, Scott. Social security won't be enough to cover my expenses. This sounds like actually some uh, so, some pretty good understanding of the situation in this one. Yeah, and, and y you know what? I mean, the reality is, though, is that for a lot of people, if especially if you have a mortgage in your retirement, you've got higher expenses you're going to need every month, that social security is not going to be there. And that's where it comes down to proper planning getting something head up, set up ahead of time so that you've got 
an account that you're able to fund that gap, that excess on an after-tax basis that you're going to need above Social Security. So for instance, if you, you're getting $3,000 a month in Social Security and you need five, you need to generate $2,000 of after-tax money from somewhere else. It's getting ahead of that, knowing ahead of time before you get to so when before you get to retirement or social security age that you're going to have a plan in place in order to generate that income. That's a really good point, I think, Scott. And so that is a good complaint to have, folks. If you instead are saying Social Security, oh, I think I'll be fine there, that gives us a little bit of concern. That Now now the concern's on our side. The fear is on our side mm-hmm. when it comes to planning and talking to you about retirement because often it's the other way around. Social Security not covering your expenses. So a good complaint, a good concern and fear to have there. Healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one. Uh, my account didn't grow much last year, Scott. You ever had somebody come in with that complaint? Like, oh, my account just didn't go up very much. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, the what you need to understand is that certain accounts are designed to be doing certain things for you. If it's an account that you're going to be accessing soon, or you're taking income from, not only will you have the withdrawals from your income. But generally, those should not be invested aggressively enough to be cranking out 20% returns for you. All right, we ha- we should have other accounts that are invested to do that 20% return for you. Uh, but there might be some accounts where you're very conservative in, it's not going to grow much in even an up market because that's money that you're utilizing now. And you should be taking less risk out of there because Murphy's Law says whenever you need money, what's gonna happen? The markets are gonna be down. So the other factor there too is market performance. Obviously, you know if the markets and the economy are not doing well, it's going to be hard to grow accounts that are more growth oriented and longer term. Every year, you're not going to to be cranking out those 20% returns. Some years, you're going to be flat up a little bit or even down. So, you know, it's all relative and it all fits into that overall plan. Most of our clients are going to have several accounts with them. Some are going to be conservative and we're generating income out of those. Some are going to be more aggressive and you're going to get higher returns. So, again, I think it boils down to an understanding of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Again, we're talking about exposing retirement plans planning complaints here where there's some uh, some truth, some good understanding, some some valid concern, and where perhaps uh, maybe some of the times these complaints are unfounded. And, and sometimes it's a little bit of both or depends on the perspective as that last one does for sure. Now, and this is a, a very concerning item if you are working with an advisor especially, and if you're doing your plan yourself. It's also concerning, I suppose, maybe even more so. I don't understand my financial plan, or I d- we can even make that more specific, right? Like I don't understand this investment, or I don't even know what investments I have. Just any sort of confusion around the plan, its purpose, or what's in there, that would be certain cause for concern, I would imagine. Yeah, and I do run across this a lot. And for, and for the record, if you're doing your own financial plan and you don't understand it, big red flag. Okay, um, <laughs> I mean, but I guess that goes for anything in in life, right? I'm I'm exactly. welding this piping together. I don't know. I don't understand it, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but you know what? The the big thing here is that your advisor needs to develop a plan and explain it to you in a way that you're able to understand it. A lot of the times you work with an advisor that throws out a bunch of technical jargon, a bunch of stuff, alphas, 
beta standard deviations. They charge you $2,500 to print this big binder for you full of cash flow projections and Monte Carlo simulations. And they go over it and hand it to you. And it sits on your shelf because you don't know what you're talking, what, you know, what it's all about. So that is a big concern. And one of the reasons that we switched our worry-free retirement blueprint is now a one-page financial plan. Technically, it's two pages, but one page is, sounds better. But that is, we look at actionable items that we can do in each one of the five important areas of financial planning and recommendations and steps we should start taking. And that makes it easier for someone to work with and to deal with and to help them understand. Now I can pull up on my screen cash flow projections and tax projections and all sorts of, and I can nerd out as much as we need to, but for that plan and for people to understand it, I think it's important for it to be simple and easy with actionable steps you can take, and that would certainly help you out a lot. All right, let's do one more example of some of these uh, retirement planning complaints. Uh, is there some truth to these? Are they unfounded? If somebody complains to you, Scott, you know, I only hear from my advisor when he or she wants me to buy or sell a stock. I, otherwise, I never get any advice on anything else. Yeah, and I, I actually see this a lot. And there's different types of advisors, holistic financial advisors that are going to help you with every aspect of your financial situation, tax planning, investment planning, income planning, risk management, estate planning. That is somebody like what we do. We handle all those different areas. Then you've got a less a financial advisor, more broker. They're not a fiduciary. They don't charge a financial advisory fee. What they do is they're paid on commissions. So end of the month, they're running a little low. They want to get a new car. They give you a call and sell something and buy something and it generates commissions for them. Okay, and I'm not saying that's not necessarily in your best interest, but it always just makes you think a little bit, right? Well, you know, does this really make sense? So a lot of the times in a relationship like that, you hear from them mostly to do transaction-based things. And, you know, that can be an issue sometimes. And the I just had somebody come in my office. It was... Uh, her mother lives in New Jersey, and she came in here because she's power of attorney, and her, her mother was working with a broker at a firm for a long time. Her dad, when he's still alive, worked with this guy, but she looks at these statements, and you know they're always buying and selling stuff, and it was a commission-generating account. And so we went through and we explained the pros and cons of this types of approach. And it also, the other byproduct of that is it was creating a lot of tax liability for her too. So that was something she didn't even consider. So she ended up consolidating everything over here with us. We switched to a fee-based only platform, and now we start to continue to manage the money for her mother. So just something that, uh, you know, if you're only getting calls when there's something to buy or sell, it might put up a little bit of a red flag for you. Yeah, all great points. Scott, thanks for breaking down some of these common complaints for us on the show today. If you've got any questions about some of the complaints that we've covered or want to talk about putting together a full-blown financial plan, you can have an initial review of your situation with Scott very easily. In fact, set up a complimentary conversation now by going to talkwithscott.net. 
That's talkwithscott.net. We'll put a link to that in the description of today's show. Or you can call 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. That number is also in the show notes of today's episode, so check it out there. Good breakdown of uh, those retirement planning complaints exposed, and there's more to come on today's show. We'll get to know Scott a little bit better coming up next, and then we've got a great question from one of our listeners today. Steve has had some significant gains in stock, but he's working worried about taxes. So we'll get to that question and more coming up. It's getting to know you time. All right. So to get to know Scott a little bit better on today's show, fun question for you, Scott, what was your favorite TV show as a kid? Oh, wow. That's good. You mean back in the day when we had four channels before cable came out? Sure. Uh, Yeah. You can take it that far back if you want to. Well, well, so I would say there would be a couple different. So in high school, you know, I was a big Miami Vice fan. I loved Miami Vice. Okay. Watch that all the time. So I really did like Miami Vice. And so I, that's probably the one I go to. When I was a little kid, I loved the banana splits. The what? The banana splits. What's the banana splits? Uh, so it was these guys that were dressed up in these bear costumes and they got into all sorts of hijinks and their group i think it was three or four of them they were called the banana splits because they also were singing bears in a musical group wow yeah the so banana I, splits. I used to always watch the banana splits how about and that? yeah and, but miami vice was something you know more later on that i i liked watching nice I was a big Saved by the Bell fan. Certainly, certainly enjoyed that show as a kid. Um, I really liked American Gladiator. Remember that? Mm, yeah, yeah. Enjoyed watching that. Um, I got to say, maybe my favorite, though, and it's not so much because of the show, although the show was excellent, um, but mostly because of how I watched it, would probably be Hey Arnold. Remember that cartoon on Nickelodeon, Hey Arnold? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the, yeah. Kid, the, the kid that's like very mature for his age, likes jazz. Yes. He's very chill and laid back. I yes. identified a lot with Arnold. I was an only child. Now, I wasn't raised by my grandparents like he was in the show, but I kind of had that demeanor as a kid, just very low-key, right. not super hyper. I was into jazz as a, as a kid. But mostly because of my of my dad, and my dad likes jazz and introduced me to most of the music that I listen to today. Well, not so much the more current stuff, but <laughs> right, right. You know, he introduced me to like you know real guitar players and good right, jazz right. stuff from the past and his old records and all that. But we would watch Hey Arnold together when I was a kid, just laying on the couch, and we'd watch you know a couple episodes in a row if they were playing like a marathon on a Saturday or something like mm-hmm. that. And so I just have great memories of hanging out with dad and us laughing a bunch at Hey Arnold and there was this there's this specific thing in Hey Arnold where the um, brainy is the kid that's like got a very nasally breathing regiment so mm-hmm. he, and he always gets up behind Helga and Helga's always really angry because she's bottling up her love for Arnold and she always does this thing where without even looking she checks him across the face with her fist because um, he's <laughs> annoying her in the you know the, the brainy with his breathing in the background and I don't know why but every time it would happen my dad and I would just lose it together you know and then we would do that to each each other out in public all the time get go up behind one another and start breathing heavy and the other would you know do a little fake smack and i don't know just great memories <laughs> and so i say hey arnold great all great right show. i liked you yeah. know you mentioned american gladiator i think the, on netflix they just have like a little documentary series about how it was created and why they ended up shutting it down i guess there was a lot of roid use steroid use and people were getting hurt all the time and 
that's how they kind of shut that down. I need to go watch that. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of has that feel of wrestling, but you know, wrestling is so scripted. American Gladiator almost felt like what wrestling would be if you unscripted it. And but yes, people getting injured and hurt and yeah, you know, but that, up going against everyday people getting you know knocked off their block and all yeah, you get stuff. some big roided up dude just beating on some little guy, some one sixty five uh, pound guy trying to navigate yeah. by him. <laughs> but they <laughs> that's but what made the some, show fun though. I know, but there's something on Netflix about it. I believe it's Netflix. I saw like the Maybe promo for it. I haven't watched it yet, but yeah, that would probably be right up your alley. That'd bring back some memories for sure. I think they even brought the show back for a little while, but I don't think it did as well in its reiteration. But uh, I need to go see the documentary of the of the original. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, that's getting to know Scott a little bit better on today's show. Always fun to reminisce about those TV shows growing up. Uh, coming up next, we've got that good question from Steve. Let's dive in. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, so here is Steve's question. By the way, you can submit questions on skyboxfinancialgroup.com. That's skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Just look for the contact page. Steve says, I have some stock that I got many years ago, and it's now worth more than 10 times what it was when I bought it. Sounds pretty good, Steve. Yeah. Uh, Because it's grown so much, it now represents a big percentage of my investments. So I'd like to sell it. But if I do that, I'm going to have a huge taxable gain. Is there any way to sell this stock without giving so much to Uncle Sam? Well, Steve, this is definitely a good problem to have, right? I mean, uh, definition of a good problem. Yeah, well, you know, and uh, you know, whenever you make money, unfortunately, you got to pay the taxes. So, you know, there's a couple routes you can go. Obviously, you can sell it and just take the hit in one year. Uh, the capital gains tax rates are different than the income tax rates, and the so if you if you were if you work with somebody that does some tax planning, you might take a look at selling a little bit of it every year, working within those tax brackets to minimize that capital gain uh, tax that you're going to have to pay on that gain in order to diversify that portfolio a little bit. The one risk that you run across, obviously, with that is that the stock goes down. You know, uh, it could go up, which would be even better. But, you know, doing it little by little, working those tax brackets, getting, you know, so that that your uh, capital gains rate in some cases could be zero, depending on what your other income is. Um, And if you sell a small enough portion, so it might make sense to manage that, that if you do it all in one year, you're certainly going to go up. You know, of course, I don't know dollar amounts, but I would assume you'd be in the highest uh, capital gain rate. So I think just doing it little by little, working with somebody might be your best route to go. Really good question. Thanks for sending that one into us, Steve. Yeah, a lot of layers to that question. Be a great time. Whenever you have something big like that in your lives, folks, probably a, a great time to say, okay, I've got this big financial decision I need to make, especially if you're approaching retirement. There's all sorts of different levers and uh, things that can get tweaked and pulled and bigger context to consider. So that's a great time to get a review of your financial plan if you're facing a big financial decision like that. So if you're in that boat, got a big decision coming up on something, maybe it's related to housing, uh, try to decide a retirement date, selling stock, try to figure out how to invest your money to prepare for retirement. All those things will be big choices that will be better made 
in the context of your full plan. So get a good idea of what that plan looks like and all your possibilities and uh, decision points. By meeting with Scott Searles, you can set that up by going to talkwithscott.net, talkwithscott.net, or calling 888-742-0111. And we will uh, put that link and that contact information in the description of today's show. Well, Scott, thank you so much for the help on the program today. Enjoyed this conversation with you. I know we'll have some good topics on tap next month. I always have fun, Walter. All right. See everybody in October. Thanks for joining us on the Retirement Toolbox. Go Guardians. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.